guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. your co-host Jen and this is my other co-host Ivida and tonight we are joined by Dr. William Ha. He completed his dental degree and his PhD in endodontics at the University of Queensland. He's currently a third-year postgraduate endodontic student at the University of Adelaide. He also makes phone applications for dentists and dental students, specifically dental prescriber and the endoprep app. So without further ado, please welcome the King of Dental Means himself. Dr. William Ha. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Ha. Let's just get right into it. So we want to know from the start, uh, was endo something that you were always interested in or was that something that kind of grew once you started learning more about it in dental school? So when I was a dental student, um, I was a bit indifferent to it. Um, it just seemed to be another subject, uh, but I didn't hate it or anything. It was just, just another subject. Um, and when I graduated, um, I didn't really understand much about endodontics. I joined Endo Society because I thought it made sense. If you're part of the Endodontics Society, you can learn more about endodontics. And if you know it's a weakness of yours, um, you can get better. So that's like that's part of the story. Um, the other was that uh, a few years out from doing dentistry, I didn't enjoy it. So I decided to do some research part-time, hence the PhD. And as I did my research, I found endodontics more and more interesting. So Hence, I moved into that. And how was your endo experience? So in the program, I, I find it quite good. Um, we have in- interesting cases. Our program chair, he focuses a lot on self-directed learning, but in a good way. So self-directed learning to some people is sort of like, you know, go learn and then come back, as opposed to um, he will just pro- give us lots of different prompts and just focus on trying to make sure we understand what we're talking about. And he likes to make us question a lot of, I suppose, um, possible scientific dogmas. So if we ever say anything, um, he'll, he'll, he'll basically question it. So in a good way. And yeah, so I, I quite enjoy it. And he's quite supportive. So if there's anything that you're leaning towards um, as you do the program, if you want to do more teaching, if you want to do more research, if you want to do more ironically travel, like which, which I sort of could do, then yeah, he's happy to support it. Like there are some programs where they expect you, including weekends, to be in some way or form part of the program. But in this course, your time is your time. And if you want to do certain things, he's all for it. It's good to have that support and being able to have that flexibility. Yeah. So do you feel that now you're more equipped for complex cases? I think I've had exposure to complex cases. I have, I suppose, what I would call the fundamentals of how to treat complex cases. I've treated some complex cases, but essentially, if there's something like apical surgery or removing files, um, I wouldn't say that I'm fast or efficient or confident. But um, at least I understand some of the fundamentals and how to manage the case. And the, the, the thing about these courses is there'll always, always be a complicated case, more complex than your previous case. And the way the course is structured, particularly with self-directed learning, if you come across a case that is more complex than anything that you've learned or experienced before, you should be able to, I suppose, do the research on the best way to move, move forward. Because there's only so many cases you'll ever experience in a course. The, the course serves mainly to prepare you to know where to look and 
um, lot to understand before you take on such a case. So sort of, a, I do feel somewhat equipped in the sense that if there's something that's a little bit beyond what I've already experienced, I think I have the groundwork to then find how to negotiate it. And you have, you always have that endodontist on speed dial in case things go wrong. Oh yeah. So yeah, if you've got, as you do the course, you, you do have connections with different um, specialists and not only the ones within your course, uh, as you do the course, at least our course is quite networked with other specialists. So as we go through the course, we, we have like webinars with different specialists around the world. So that means if there's anything that's, um, that we don't know how to do, we've probably been connected to someone who has experience in such a case. And if we know them to some degree, like not necessarily like besties or anything, but if we know them to some degree, then it, it's quite easy to reach out to some of the world experts. Um, there is no program in the world that'll have all the experts in the world you know, all there. So a university that links you to, to the experts can make things far more reassuring. And uh, did you find any specific CPDs that really helped you along your journey? So there's, I suppose, two courses that, um, that were uh, in Australia. One was a Yoshi Teruchi hands-on file removal course. So that was really good. Um, so we, so rather than just you know, hearing like, lectures and um, and reading reading articles, um, we actually got to practice removing moving files out of out of uh, extracted teeth uh, under under the microscope. And that was in Sydney just before the lockdown um, last year. And then the year before that, we had Mahmoud Parabinajad. Um, so he's the inventor of MTA. And there was an apical surgery course on cadavers last no, 2019. So that, that was good. It's um, so like similar to my comment before, like no matter how good the local specialists and tutors are um, or your professor might be, um, it's, it's another thing actually being taught by the, the leaders and pioneers in the field. Um, so yeah, that was some pretty good CPD. Um, obviously with from like March last year until now, um, there hasn't been much for hands-on uh, CPD, let alone international speakers coming to Australia, but um, like pretty much right up until the lockdown, um, I've, made, I've made the most of it. So is there any CPD that you're really looking forward to doing, like anywhere in the world even? Um, well, I really enjoyed the Yoshi Teruchi hands-on course from removing files. So he's got another course on retreatments, which I was supposed to do late last year, but obviously I couldn't go to Japan, in Japan specifically. Um, so I couldn't go to Japan late last year. Um, so I'm hoping to go to his course uh, early next year. If you ever see videos of the cases this guy does, it's crazy. And yeah, like there's only so, so much you can learn um, with your local specialists. Um, it does make sense to try to find literally the international leaders if you're trying to push push your knowledge. So my question is, did you ever purchase the Yashi for yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah, sitting on my desk. So having said that, I working in government, um, uh, there's only certain things I can use. So I, I can't use a loop in the, in the clinic, but um, at least I've, I've got a set at home. If you see where my finger is pointing to there that is actually the water unit for an ultrasonic unit which is 
sitting somewhere else. Oh no, you can't. Well, you can sit. There's a. I do actually have an ultrasonic unit in my in my apartment. So I, I've actually got the setup to do my own little hands-on practice, which I haven't bothered doing since 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 uh, I think April last year. Fortunately, Adelaide's lockdown was very short, but my mindset was effectively if we had a very long lockdown i would be able to keep on doing hands-on practice at home so it's sort of a shame i haven't done more hands-on practice um with the uh yoshi loop and all the rest of the gear but i don't know i'd rather obviously i've been lucky enough not to be uh, stuck pretty impressive it's uh i don't know how loud your unit is but i know some of them could be really really loud with those uh, mobile drills and like oh well yeah so this is just the ultrasonic ultrasonic unit so it's not like there's a generator or anything and the good thing about oh, so I've also got a supposedly slow speed motor from Cave Occur, and I say supposedly because you can really turn up the speed. So with electric motors, um, you can you can cut pretty well with the electric motors. So I don't um, I don't have like a full like generator and dental chair in my apartment, um, but I, I can practice a lot of different procedures in my apartment. So um, with that being said. What is one material that you can't live without? So there's something a little bit bizarre um, with uh, me in postgrad. My, my professor notes that I do a lot of restorative work, despite being an endo as opposed to pros. Um, so one of the things I really like is the, the auto matrix. Um, so I don't use it too often, but I feel that it helps me turn a case that um, seemed initially unrestorable into a restorable case. So uh, if, there's a, if there's a broken down tooth and I tried to clamp it, but um, the clamp sort of, let, let's say there's a lingual margin that just keeps on popping off. Uh, it's like it just sl- slides up the lingual margin or vice versa, the buckle cusp is missing and it just keeps on sliding up. Um, I'll, I'll, I can put on an auto matrix and as long as it's tight and very well tied around that, I can then put the clamp literally on and around um, the automatrix that's already on the tooth. Um, alternatively, I could just clamp a distal tooth if one exists and then have a split, like an open dam across. Um, but restorability is a big part of anodontics. So if, if you can do a pre-anodontic buildup under rubber dam, um, it'll make uh, usage of the rubber dam a whole lot easier. Um, and I, I do like to point out that it makes sense to do the pre anodontic buildup under rubber dam because um, like you'll see people having cases online where they just go tooth broken down and then when you see the rubber dam on the tooth's been built up and what they've actually done is they've cheated and put the the place the composite without rubber dam so that way they can clamp it but the issue is there's going to be all this leakage underneath that composite and it's not going to be bonded very well so it's not ideal it makes more sense to um, like either do a cuff and be able to restore that tooth under rubber dam. And if you can't, you know, sort of clamp it in a way, like or put an auto matrix on it or something, and then you know, put the rubber dam around it. So that way the composite's bonded properly. Um, and then you can do the endo with far more confidence that um, there's no leakage. And then long-term, the, you know, that restoration isn't, isn't going to keep on leaking and make your endo fail. So the a weird thing, it's not an endo thing. The auto matrix I find has turned cases that I thought previously I couldn't ever do. And then once I could, you know, clamp it, then everything just made more sense. That's a really good tip. I guess it's like a learning experience to kind of discover those things. 
Uh, was there any CPD that you took that you felt that you didn't really implement as much? And what would you do differently next time? Okay. So I'm not going to name any speakers. So when I was a fresh grad, um, I heard a speaker and I thought it was really compelling. Um, and I realized in retrospect, I had a dental student mindset. Um, so all that is, um, when you're a dental student, whoever gets behind the lectern is the expert. Uh, you don't even question the expertise or the knowledge or the evidence that comes, that comes with them. They just stand at the, stand at the front, say whatever they say. Um, and as a student, you have to believe everything they say, because if you want to pass your exam, you have to write, you know, whatever they said. If, if, you, like if, if you had a lecturer in dental school who said the world was like completely flat and wasn't round and your exam had that question, if you want to pass, you've got to say that. Like you wouldn't say otherwise. <laughs> Um, yeah. but the moment you graduate, you, you have to question it because there are people who, um, yeah, you literally don't know what they're talking about. And dental schools, dental schools try their best to find the best speakers. And usually they have reasonable people, but when you go to a CPD course, when you graduate, anyone could do a, anyone can give a talk. So I could give a talk on dermatology. I have no experience in dermatology. I see, I think I've got good skin, but that's like, I could give a talk and I'm not qualified. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I could, but I could give out CPD points to all the dental attendees. Um, like there's nothing where I need to prove, like at least in Australia, I don't need to prove myself that I know what I'm talking about for those points to be awarded. And as long as I get behind the lectern and sound like I know what I'm talking about, then the audience, um, I'm not like dentists aren't necessarily gullible people, but if you've got a dental school mindset of whoever talks is the expert, then you'll get sucked in. So uh, I got sucked in. I used a product that in endodontics at the time, it sounded like the bee's knees, but it actually leads to worse outcomes. So I'm not going to name the product because it's actually pretty easy to like, if you're an endodontist to know exactly what that product is, but it's been definitely shown to leave, lead to worse outcomes. And it's like, oh, and I felt like an idiot because at the time it sounded like all the research was compelling. It sounded like it's the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know if my cases have failed. Um, it's just one of those things where when you, you know, change practices, who knows what's happened. But knowing what's been published, there's a lot of compelling evidence to show that you know, there's so many other things would have been better. And I've put the worst thing into a patient's tooth. It's not going to kill them or anything. It just means they're more likely to get uh, apical periodontitis after the endo, which is really, like, a bit disappointing to me. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's sort of the upside, it's compelled me to um, look at the evidence now um, mm -hmm. and it sort of contributed to doing the PhD as well like now that I look up stuff like I don't feel so sucked I don't feel like you know if someone comes to me and says do this I don't say yes okay, yes okay I, I, I look up the evidence behind it but I also try to you know rationalize whether it's a good idea to incorporate into my practice. Yeah that's a really good thing that you live and you learn. <laughs> With that being said um, I know we're going to switch a little bit now. Um, you've done a year in business. So is there anything that you learned that you implemented in dentistry? Um, yeah, so the, the business course I did, it was a graduate certificate in research commercialization. So that's basically turning ideas uh, into a business. Um, it was a unique course that was directed towards PhD students because there was all these great ideas that PhDs would have, but they're pretty much no matter how good the idea is, like if um, 
you, uh, if the customer doesn't know you, if the customer doesn't trust you, or you don't convey the product very well, your customer will never be interested. I mean, you could cure cancer, but if you can't tell people in a very easy way and they understand and they believe you, like all of those things, then there's almost no point. It's really sad, but it's, it's sort of the, the harsh reality of research. So there are some researchers who are just like their brains, but they're not people people. Um, and I don't know, if you follow the stereotype of um, Big Bang Theory, like if you have all like complete nerds who just cannot communicate with people, if, if you're one of those people, no matter how good your idea is, if you approach a common person and they're like, I don't want to know you, then it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a waste. But the other point would be, even if you have a good idea, if you don't have the resources, it's probably not worth doing. So a lot of people message me about, hey, I've got this great app idea. And like they describe it to me, sometimes it has nothing to do with dentistry. And effectively, I, I just point out, if you don't have the pre-existing connections, um, if you're not an authority in the field, and you don't have the money to, to or the resources to back it, like bluntly put, you might as well give up because like, you might invest a lot of money or time and then no one, no one respects you or believes you and then it's a waste or vice versa. Now, whichever way, I don't know, I lost track of which one, but yeah, basically you need the three, like you need to be, have the reputation, the know-how and the resources. Without the three, um, it all falls apart. So it doesn't really apply to general everyday clinical dentistry. But, um, like if, when it comes to like making apps or any anything else that people talk about, selling endo gear is like endodontic gear. If if it's something that it's not your area, then just people won't care. Do you mm. have any tips for like dentists and those looking to network and make connections in the community on how they can do that? I think the if if you're wanting to network, I think initially just going to dental society, dental association, uh, dental study clubs, and conferences is a really good place to start if you really truly want to network uh, i actually suggest being part of the organizing committee rather than being just an attendee so just using your example if as you guys are hosting cpd junkie you actually directly get to know the speaker you also get to know each other very well um, and then hence builds connections so let's say for argument's sake and in, in i don't know 10 years time or 20 years time what if i'm like the head of endodontic somewhere and then one of you guys apply and I'd be like, oh, hey, uh, and then you're more likely to get a spot than someone who I've never met before, never, like, like let's say, if, even if we never see each other again for the next decade, if I was, if you were applying and I, there's you versus someone who I've never met, um, there's immediate rapport that I have with you than someone I've, I've never met. Being part of the um, committee helps a lot, like, as opposed to an attendee. Mm -hmm. So we've, let, let's say for argument's sake, you've got 200 people watching, like it's great they're watching and I might see on my on my phone that someone goes, boop, someone's name has appeared. That's cool. But then I haven't actually got to know them. They haven't got to know me. So yeah, mm -hmm. if, you, if you truly want to build a, a real connection, then you've got to be a part of the committees. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question that everybody's probably wanting to ask. So how did the EndoPrep app come about? Oh, okay. So uh, back to connections. Omar and I, we were the respective presidents of the branches, the state branches of um, P New South Wales and me, Queensland Endo Society. So uh, we'd see each other at um, different anodonic meetings or conferences and also committee meetings to like yourselves talking to each other. So we, we knew that we were both involved in some different level of like endodontic education. And then it was also obvious back in, I think, mid-2019 that we both had very big or growing social media followings. So um, he did. He mentioned to me that he always wanted to make an endodontic app, and, and so did I actually. 
And but he specifically wanted to make one on um, preparing uh, preparing canals um, because he go to he, he does talks all the time and everyone says oh no what should I use what sequence should I use um, and it becomes a little bit exhausting just re-explaining yourself so it'd be nice to just put it in one resource and just give it to your attendees in an app um, and there's resources that that I had that I wanted to put into an app so so then yeah so basically he knew that I've made an app apps before. Um, so then that's, that's, that's pretty much how the ball got rolling. So you're also involved with Dental Prescriber, and it's amazing that you're creating all these apps. Was there anything that you kind of took to learn about app development? Uh, so with uh, Dental Prescriber, have, have you guys heard of Novneil Kashyap by any chance? Like he's, he's very big on social media. Yeah. So um, I was having dinner with him and his, he was basically uh, annoyed that uh, a pharmacist, I think a pharmacist knocked back his prescription because he just wrote something a little bit off. And that was sort of the moment of, oh, someone should make an app. And then back in the day, um, I used to play like very casually StarCraft with the, with the guys I went to high school with. So, and they all became engineers. So you've got a, I'm sitting there with a bunch of engineers and I said, well, why don't we make an app? And a little bit before that, I should clarify, I tried to learn how to code and then it just felt like a complete pain in the ass. Like it's, uh, it's like, it's basically literally like, it's literally learning a new language. Um, yeah. And if you're not engrossed in that sort of field normally, then it's like, like just as an example, if, if I was to learn Korean, if, if I lived in Korea and that was my everyday thing, that, that would make sense. But if I'm just some person sitting on weekends learning a, f- a few phrases, it'll never go anywhere. Um, and f- for any people watching, I'm not Korean, by the way. Like, <laughs> and My last name can be a bit confusing, but I'm not Korean. So I thought, yeah, it made far more sense to get the engineers involved. And so although I didn't learn how to code, I effectively do what's known as uh, the front end of the software so um i write the content like the like whatever you read is is stuff that i wrote um many of the pictures that you see uh, i drew all that sort of i'm sort of toning down on that a bit and i'm, I'm, you know, I'm outsourcing that too but uh the, the term is technology transfer officer so um in commercialization if the technology transfer officer is a person who um they're not the en- they're not the engineer or the whoever that makes it um and they're not the person who asks for it. They're sort of the person that helps translate to each person um, what's happening. So if there's something that someone wants to put into an app, um, I'll probably put it in more lay terms and forward it to the engineer because you can imagine that like a dentist or an endodontist, when they talk to an engineer, you'll see when a dentist talks to a patient sometimes, some people just keep like splurting out really technical terms and the patient's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and the same thing if an engineer t- responds, some, sometimes their response, again, they forget that everyone isn't an engineer and they're replying in very technical terms. So then um, I'll have to sort of, I'm not an engineer myself, but I can hopefully make it a bit more lay terms to then forward on to say someone like Omar, because like Omar loves talking dentistry. I can't specifically say what, what he wants to the engineer in Omar's words. I'll have to sort of like tweak it a bit before I forward it on. Um, yeah, that's amazing that you're using all these connections to make apps and help out other dentists yeah so the uh yeah so the connections um is a really big really big thing it's it's sort of like in dental school where 
you like you do like you learn how to do lab work like you know make make dentures or wax ups or whatever if you were to try to do everything yourself in clinical practice the first thing is it'll take forever the second is no matter how good you are you'll never be perfect over that good at everything mm-hmm. so the best thing is knowing what you can outsource being really clear with the information that you pass on because you get which what you give does that make sense um so yeah. if, if you're able to know what they what the specifications are uh, and know who are the best people for the best best things um it it means your time is better spent it means you get a better overall product and yeah like ev- everyone everybody wins like you get a good product your time is better spent but, but there's no need mm-hmm. to try to be a control freak and do everything yourself yeah that's very true so um you went to um morocco recently for a conference can you tell us about that Okay, so I, I went to the um, Pan Arab uh, Endodontic Conference in Morocco. Yes, yeah, so it was it was a great experience. The I saw the conference. This was just before um, the pandemics, so I didn't know didn't know it was coming, and it was great because uh, it was the last, literally, lot, the big last holiday that I had, and it was to a very nice place. And I could actually take my fiance as she just had annual leave, just so happened to line up with that conference. So we both went to Morocco together. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country, friendly people and, and great food. Um, I recommend people go there. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and also with that conference, um, I thought it was really good because the um, every normally every year, there's, I think there's a pan-Arab Nadonic conference and it moves around different um, countries, um, Arabic-speaking countries. Um, and what's cool is they... They have um, like little like they have a lot of speakers from Europe who speak English, uh, and those who who aren't in this case had a lot of French speakers. Um, they literally had as real time translators mm, during the talk, and I just think that's crazy. Like I struggle to um, so my, my background is Vietnamese, and there's no way that I could speak fluent fluently and at the same speed as someone else is talking at the same time. Um, because I'd be having to listen and then speak the previous sentence. Um, but anyway, it, that, that was pretty cool. Um, and then a lot of the people would question whether or not um, things would be very modern in, in the talks. Um, like everyone just seems to assume that Europe is Europe and the US and Australia is the only places that do quality anodonics or dentistry or something. But um, once you get to know these people and what they do, like some of these people, their practice is the same as, as yours and mine. Um, like there's certainly places around the world that are a little bit, um, a little bit dingy. But if you're going to a conference, the people there, they're trying to do the best dentistry they can. And if you ever see their practices, they're usually quite modern. And like sometimes I would, I'd say some of them easily have better practices than the ones we have in Australia. So, um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I think people should be very open to international conferences because. Um, if you only stay in Australia, attending Australian CPD, you'll just be continually taught the same things from the same people. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the same person, it's the person who trained the other person. So um, there's only so much you'll ever learn. If, if you go internationally, um, there's just things that other people do that you think, oh, I, I wouldn't have considered that. Um, so was there anything you recall that you learned there that you don't really see much in Australian dental practices? Um. Well, there's one thing, uh, there's one talk that I thought was really cool. Um, so uh, there's one device called the IriSafe. Um, and some people I know swear by it. Um, and I think sometimes marketing comes 
are really big into it because the name, how good is Eerie Safe? It sounds really safe. Um, so it, it's basically attached to your ultrasonic is this metal tip uh, that sort of looks like a, it's not a K file, but it's just some sort of metal metal wire that vibrates. And the idea is it, um, it jiggles your irrigant and hopefully it'll bounce around and clean things out. And the, the evidence to show whether the outcomes are any better, it's, it's, it's pretty low to nil. Uh, it does show that it cleans better, but patient outcomes so far, there's no difference. Um, but a lot of people say, well, it's safe. So why not? Like probably it'll make things better. So the speaker, he had this case where uh, this uh, one of the postgrads used the Irisafe and the tip broke and literally ended up in the patient's sinus. Um, oh, no. He just bounced in and bounced all the way up into the sinus and so much for the name Irisafe, right? Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, so it had to be surgically removed. Um, I'm not saying that you should never use it. I'm just saying that, um, yeah, there's nothing published in the literature about it. And it does make sense. Like you can break a file just like anything else. But the thing about an ultrasonic tip, particularly that's in the shape of a file, if it breaks and you're literally spraying water out at high, high speed, well, where is it going to go? And if there's an open apex, it's going to go past out of the apex. Um, for, so, you know, it's, there's all these little things you learn um, from these international speakers that wouldn't encounter here. And the more diverse mm -hmm. the speakers, the more diverse the range of experiences that they present. Um, and that, that, that file removal course like that that guy's from japan uh, yeah i can't remember how many files he removes but i think he roughly does like okay, i'm not even going to make up a number but he removes a lot um mm -hmm. and if you ever see his youtube um videos like you can see how quickly he takes out files broken files um and it's unheard of like in most parts of the world like no one removes files like he does he's got a system and it works and it's just one of those things where if you're in a population where I don't know how, why there's a lot of broken files in Japan and they, then he gets the experience and he, he learns the technique. Um, so yeah, like there's a lot that can be learned internationally. Mm -hmm. like, obviously I, I say all this and we can't travel right now, but um, I think people shouldn't um, limit themselves to only Australian CPD um, mm -hmm. because yeah, there's a lot that can be learned uh, internationally. Yeah, what better way to learn than from someone who's successfully done it before? Yeah. So is that how EndoGear came about? Because it's made of, uh, I guess, like different items that are all around the world. Yeah, so um, with EndoGear, uh, basically myself and a few guys who effectively want to keep themselves silent, <laughs> um, they, they were noticing that um, the certain gear that they just, just couldn't source from the standard suppliers and you might see on dental forums that this, this group buys of, of gear um, and, and they're pretty much one guy orders it from overseas. Um, but there are some issues with that because like the first is what's known as TGA. Uh, if, if you become an importer, then you become liable for everyone who gets that gear. Um, the next thing would be that um, if you're... Like if, if you did a group buy, like an example is the Lumident um, batteries. If you heard, have you seen the group buys that people do for that? So uh, let's say I brought in Lumident batteries and then all of a sudden in your practice, it exploded. Um, if you try to go back to Lumident, they'll say, I've, I've never heard of you. There's no, there's no receipt with you and me. Maybe your battery is fake. And full stop. 
like, I'm not saying Lumident would do that. That's just that's any company, any company could. Um, like if you didn't buy direct from the supplier, uh, from a supplier, then the company wants nothing to do with you. Um, but if it's through a actual company and there's records of who and who and who and when, um, you know, the comp- whatever company you bought it off, like they're they're responsible, but they can also be very helpful. So um, it just made sense to for the certain things that weren't available in Australia to have this, this spin-off company where we could just bring in stuff that we we wanted, um, we could do it legitimately. Um, and then we could also, you know, basically sell it to our friends as well. Um, we're not trying to be the next Henry Shine. Um, we're not trying to bring in things that are already available. Um, there's, there's no point um, just bringing in more competition and making more people's lives harder. It just made sense to just bring in things that, um, just people didn't have easily available in Australia. Yeah, there's not many. There's not many items though. Like, it's just, there's only so much time I can dedicate to it. <laughs> and what's your favorite item of what you have so far in that um, collection? The uh, well, the item that I think is really cool is uh, the gutter perka um, removal tool. Um, so, like, if you've got something dangling in the canal. Um, like whether it be literally got a perk or even a file sometimes, and I mean completely dangling, so it's not stuck stuck on anything. Um, like one is you could you could use a loop, but if it's if it's literally just bouncing around, and you want to just grab it and yank it out, it's nice having a literal hook that you can grab and and pull things out. Um, that saves a lot of time. The 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 other thing is just the the standard Halla clamp, um, because. Like similar to, to my little story about the auto matrix, so there are just certain teeth that you just cannot isolate very easily. So, like the, the just like the auto matrix, the Halla clamp, it's something that, um, like I, it's not an everyday use sort of thing. But if you've got that one in the month case where you're struggling to isolate, and there's something that you've got that just just lines up and is perfect for it, then you know that's the one extra tooth that you can that you can save or restore properly or isolate properly to put a crown on pro- properly. Like, um, yeah, so there's, there's this old um, commercial logo, Jingo, um, good year. If it saves you once a year, it's a good year, uh, if you've heard of that. It's, it's an old tire commercial, but like, it makes sense. If it, like, the, when I first heard it, I thought, no, if it only saves me once a year, it's like, geez, what sort of crappy tires are this? I hope it saves me more. But at the same time, if it, it's better that it saves you once than, than something that doesn't save you. No, it definitely makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> good analogy. Okay, well, Dr. Ha, thank you so much for your insightful answers and for joining us today. I'm sure a lot of people learned something new. And for those that want to keep up with you, please let them know where they can find you online. Oh, um, so I have an Instagram page called Endo Prep App, um, and I'm, I'm sure that you'll have that you have that account already tagged in the posts in, in on your um, Instagram page. Um, and yeah, it's that's probably the best way to find me on the Instagram page. I do have a face, Facebook page that literally posts the same things. No one, it's, I don't know why, like different, like Facebook has worked for Omar when he does his post and Instagram has worked for me. Um, I, I think it's just because I like simple, like one or two pictures and that's it. And Omar likes to write long essays. So Facebook <laughs> is, Facebook, Facebook's what's worked for him because it's like Facebook is full of keyboard warriors. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think yeah, the best place to probably follow me is Instagram. So that way you can see the simple like one or two picture memes, one or two picture scientific posts and all that. Okay, that's great. Yeah, everybody give the endo uh, meme king a follow. And Jen and I just want to thank you all for joining us today. I hope you learned something new. And thank you and have a good night. Thank you. Yep, thanks, thanks. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends. And we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.